0: Welcome to the Abiding Marriage Podcast. I'm Sean Sahlberg.
1: And I'm Glenn Sahlberg, husband. So glad you could join us for today's episode. You know, as we read the Bible, we clearly understand that God is gathering an eternal family, people made up from every tribe and tongue and nation, because God's on a divine rescue mission to help everyone that he's created move from death to life, from, from being his enemy to being his adopted son or daughter.
0: But before God established His set-apart people in the Old Testament, and before He used Pentecost to start His church, He created and designed marriage. Marriage was established by God in Genesis chapter 2. That's the very first book of the Bible. and We're so excited to share about God's divine design for marriage on today's episode.
1: So stay with us to hear more, and as always, thanks for joining us on this journey you know today we're excited to share about god's plan and design for marriage the way that he laid it out his incredible design for it in the bible you know and that design starts way back in the book of genesis chapter 2. as we stated in intro before god formed his covenant people Before he established a New Testament church, there was marriage. He designed marriage first. That's how important it was to God in his overall mission.
0: So let me read what God actually says in Genesis 2, and I'll start with verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame.
1: Yeah, thanks for reading that, sweetie. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the first chapter of Genesis, right before what my wife read, God, God's created the earth. He's created all the life on the earth, including Adam and Eve. But then here in Genesis two, we get to see sort of a more detailed account of how God created Adam. In verse seven of chapter two, it says, then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Now now God spoke most, much of creation into being. He just said the words and things, things became, right? But, but he took time, he actually formed Adam, and he breathed into Adam, his very breath, he, give him, he gave him life. And this really shows the special, unique relationship and care that God had in forming us. He didn't form us like the animals, or the trees, or the plants. The way he formed us was very personal.
0: And then if you go back to verse 18, God said that it was not good for Adam to be alone. So God had designed Adam not to be by himself, even though Adam had perfect fellowship with God in the garden before Eve was created for him. But God created you and your spouse with a longing inside both of you, for someone to help you experience and enjoy and reflect God's image more fully. You know, God did not design us to live this life or to live out our faith in him alone he wants us to be with people to flourish and fulfill god's purpose for your life you need other people walking alongside you
1: you know here is what my friend and mentor hans mollegraaff has to say on this uh, and we'll we'll have this in the show notes for you here's what he said the problem with adam's aloneness was not that he lacked something he could not get from eve but rather, his aloneness prevented him from doing something that is at the very core of God's very image, and that's sacrificially loving someone. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone because without Eve, he didn't have anyone to sacrificially love. We don't love because our, our spouse because they're empty and need love, but because love is the way in which we imitate Christ and bring glory to God. And we love because God loved us first. I really like that quote because it gives us this picture of marriage and, and how God designed it, that we were supposed to be serving and loving and freely sacrificing for one another. So, so really the first thing we see in God's design for marriage is that God created us so that we could serve love and sacrifice for our spouse as a reflection of his image inside of us. So because marriage is not primarily about your happiness or your getting your needs fulfilled. But rather it's about displaying God's love and care towards your spouse as a reflection of you being an image bearer.
0: So as we've touched on why it was not good for Adam to be alone, let's look at how God created Eve to complement Adam and for Adam to have another human to sacrificially love and serve.
1: I am so thankful that God created Eve. Yes. Because so, I have my <laughs> Eve. Her name is Sean, And I'm so glad He created her for me.
0: Yes. So keep in mind that God did not create Eve in the same way that he created Adam. That's really important to God's design for marriage. You know, Genesis 2, 21, in the beginning of verse 22 says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. Again, the Lord did not just speak Eve into creation like he did the stars, the planets, and the animals. Like Adam, God personally formed her and created her uniquely.
1: You know, I love what Bible scholar Matthew Henry has to say about how Eve was created. The woman was made out of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. So so Eve is a special creation of God, made especially for Adam, and taken from part of his own body. You know, Adam didn't find a suitable helper when he was naming all the animals, but he's excited and rejoicing the first time he sees Eve. Verse 23 says, at last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Adam's super excited when he sees Eve and he knows that God's made her, especially for him.
0: Yeah. And think about the verse before that, where we read in verse 22, the Lord brought her to the man. You know, what a beautiful picture of God as our creator and father performing the first wedding as he brings Adam's bride to him. She is like Adam, but she is perfectly different from Adam. You know, Eve is God's special creation that complements Adam, so that they both can flourish and fulfill the plan that God has for them.
1: You know, and what was that plan? Well, let's we were, see. We, what was that? I
0: said, let's see what let's was that plan. Let's see what plan. that plan is. Yeah,
1: and what was that plan? So we read about it in Genesis 1:28. There it says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created Adam and Eve to rule and reign with him over all creation. Adam and Eve were the pinnacle of his creation made in his image for his plan and his purpose.
0: So we see in God's design for marriage that he made Eve specifically for Adam. She was formed from Adam's own body so that they would be made from one body. Again, the picture of oneness that God wants for us as husbands and wives. And they were made for each other to complement the other so that both of them could flourish and fulfill God's plan and design for them.
1: You know, and God calls you both as husband and wife to daily live out that serving and loving and sacrificing for one another, empowered by the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And as you do that, you will see your connection grow and your oneness grow with one another as well.
0: Yes. And there will be seasons where you may be the one doing more of the serving and the sacrificing in the relationship but every couple is gonna go through these kind of seasons. Absolutely. And if you are in one of these seasons right now, don't focus on what your spouse is not doing, but stay focused on doing what God has called you to do.
1: You know, as God lays out the plan for marriage that we see in Genesis chapter one and chapter two, his design for marriage is clearly between one man and one woman. You know, the way that it's written, it really can't be interpreted any other way. You know, I've heard some people argue, well, that's the Old Testament, and as New Testament believers, we're not bound by the Old Testament. I've also heard people say, well, Jesus really never said anything about marriage being between one man and one woman.
0: But to both of these arguments, we would respond with what Jesus himself shares in Matthew 19. He says, some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together.
1: You know, Jesus goes on to answer the question that they asked him about divorce. But the point um, from these verses is that Jesus is affirming God's design for marriage that we found in Genesis that we just read, Yeah. right? He, he says, first thing he says is, haven't you read the scriptures? Mm-hmm. It's like he's saying, haven't you read how God designed things? Jesus is telling the people asking, as well as all of us, that God's design for marriage has not changed. He created marriage to between one man and one woman. It's a lifelong commitment, first to him and then to each other. And this design has not changed with the changing values and the opinions of our world or even our culture.
0: And again, this is not our own opinion. It's what God says clearly in Scripture. You know, but also there's some information quoted from Got Questions website online that we have to share with you here as well. One of them says While the Bible does address homosexuality, it does not explicitly mention gay marriage or same-sex marriage. It is clear, however, that the Bible condemns homosexuality. Since homosexuality is condemned in the Bible, it follows that homosexuals marrying is not God's will and would be in fact sinful.
1: You know, every mention of marriage in the Bible refers to the union of a male and a female. The first mention of marriage, Genesis 2:24, describes it as a man leaving his parents and being united to his wife in, in passages that contain instructions regarding marriage, such as 1 Corinthians seven and Ephesians five, the Bible clearly identifies marriage as being between a man and a woman. You know, biblically speaking marriage is a lifetime union of a man and a woman primarily for the purpose of building a family and providing a stable environment for that family.
0: Now, even modern secular psychology recognizes that men and women are psychologically and emotionally designed to complement one another. In regard to the family, psychologists contend that a union between a man and a woman in which both spouses serve as good gender role models is the best environment in which to raise well-adjusted children. So psychology also argues against gay marriage.
1: You know, and for you guys who are interested, we'll put a link to that Got Questions article in our show notes. You know, to further speak on God's design for one man and one woman in marriage, there, there are two other key Bible passages. The first of those is found in Ephesians chapter five, and it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's Ephesians 5, verses 31 and 32. You know, we talk about leaving, cleaving, and becoming one in podcast number nine that we did. So we won't cover that again here. If you missed that, then please go back and listen to that. Again, it was podcast number nine. But getting back to the Ephesians passage, you know, our marriages are supposed to be a picture, although imperfect of Christ's love for his bride, the church. A husband's love and sacrifice for his wife is supposed to be a reflection of the perfect love and a complete sacrifice that Jesus made for his bride, the church. And a wife is supposed to mirror the love, obedience, and support the church showed to her head, Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about this at the end of today's episode. And the
0: second passage we wanna share is 1 Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. The context of this passage is that Paul is talking to Corinthians about how they live out their everyday lives in both the large and the small decisions that they make. He ends this section saying, whatever you do, we should do that with God's name and God's kingdom yes, in mind. Absolutely. But you know many people don't even think about this command in the context of a marriage relationship what we do in our marriages should ultimately not be about us or our needs but it should be about god and his kingdom
1: you know psalm 34 shares a similar thought about how we live out our daily lives as husbands and wives verse 3 of psalm 34 says oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So one of the things our marriages are supposed to do is glorify God, right? We hear that clearly both in the New Testament in this first Corinthians passage that Sean read and in the Old Testament here in verse in Psalm 34, right? And those words glorify God can can be what we like to call Christian ease, something we hear in church, but really not sure what it means to glorify God.
0: So one way to understand what it means to glorify God is summed up in 1 Peter 4:10 through 11 God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything that you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So using our time, our gifts, and our possessions should be about building God's kingdom. And we can do this by taking steps of faith, obedience, and surrender as we walk with Him.
1: You know, we had mentioned earlier in our episode that Adam and Eve were created to complement one another, but you know, what what does it really mean for a husband and wife to complement one another? Well, here's what a pastor friend of mine shared on what it means when a husband and wife truly do that when they complement one another. A husband helps a marriage flourish through leading and serving his wife and family as God designed it, right? So, so again, a husband helps a marriage flourish through leading and serving his wife and family as God designed it.
0: And wives lead the marriage toward flourishing by helping and supporting her husband and her household. So how do wives lead the marriage toward flourishing? Again, it is by helping and supporting not only her husband, but her whole household. This is what is called complementary, and it is a beautiful thing when lived out as God designed it.
1: You know, and the other thing we need to remind ourselves and remind you and your spouse of is that we can't do this in our own strength. Mm -hmm. But we have to do it with the power of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us as we follow Christ. You know, the reality is we could do a whole episode on this, but to sum up what it means, here's three things to think about. You know, a husband learns to love and serve his wife in ways that are specific to how God has made her and in ways that help her use the talents and abilities God's given her as well.
0: And a wife learns to follow and respect her husband so that they flourish together in all aspects of their lives. And part of this is figuring out the best ways to support and encourage her husband so that he can fully use the gifts and abilities that God has given him. So both the husband and the wife are learning about and giving thanks for their spouse's gifts, knowing that God's designed each of you uniquely with certain gifts that your spouse may not have this is really a picture of what it means to complement one another and to help the two become one in using those gifts and strengths working together to glorify god and to build his kingdom
1: you know as we were preparing for this episode we found a matt and lauren chandler video clip that we think can be really helpful on on what it means to navigate and live out what it means to be complementary in our roles as husband and wife. And so we really highly encourage you to listen to that as a couple, uh, discuss what you've heard, and, and really how you're doing and how you might grow in the way that God, God's designed you both to be complementary to one another. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes.
0: And we also wanna share something important for anyone who may be listening who is single, whether you've never been married, whether you're divorced, or whether you're widowed, On this episode, we know we've been discussing God's design for marriage and specifically how we're designed to love and serve and sacrifice for others, and specifically in this episode, your spouse. But you know, this is not for married people only. That's right. This still applies to people that are single. When God said it's not good for Adam to be alone, he did not somehow make single people incomplete without a spouse.
1: That's true. You know, God does not call everyone to be married. So being married does not complete a person. Right. If, if you're single, God gives you others in your life to walk with you and alongside you. That's why we all need Christ centered community around us to help us grow and mature.
0: Yes. So for any of you that are single, we know that you have the same longing for someone to help you experience and enjoy and reflect God's image. And God has made this possible through other Christ followers that are in your life. Your Christian community is there to walk with you in your life and you can mutually help each other to grow and mature in your purposes and your faith. So know that whether you are married or you're single, that God has created each one of you for living life with other people.
1: You know, now we wanna share some takeaways from each of the main sections from our episode today. And we'll share those takeaways again in our show notes so that you can review those with your spouse and work through them. So, you know, when when it comes to loving and serving and sacrificing for your spouse, we want you to take a moment to honestly answer a question. And this question is from a guy named Winston Smith who serves at CCEF. And here's the question. Do you see your spouse primarily as an object to meet your relational needs or as one of God's possessions to sacrificially love? And here's a follow-up question. How do you think your spouse would answer that question for you? Do you does your spouse see you intentionally sacrificing for them? So those are two questions. Again, those will be in the show notes.
0: Also, earlier in this episode, we shared from Ephesians 5 on how our marriage is supposed to increasingly reflect Christ and His bride. In that same section, we shared from 1 Corinthians 10 and Psalm 34 about how we, as husbands and wives, can magnify and glorify God. So as a first action step on these, we encourage you and your spouse to sit down and talk about these together recognize and give praise for ways that you see yourselves doing this as a couple brainstorm some ideas of ways that you can continue to grow in these areas in the days ahead and if you're not sure then ask a more mature married couple that you know to give you some ideas and we also encourage you to end your time together praying as husband and wife
1: and finally for the application takeaways from the part where we talked about the complementary roles as husbands and wife, just kind of, you know, we want to know how you're doing. So action step for you as a couple, you know, watch the Chandler YouTube video that we talked about. Again, it's just four and a half minutes. Take some time to answer a couple of questions that we'll share in the show notes specifically about that video. And hopefully those questions will help you get a conversation started that will help you grow in learning to complement one another in the ways that God's designed you.
0: You know, there's so much to share regarding God's design for marriage. Absolutely. And we know we can't cover it all in one episode. So we are planning to do a future podcast on what the Bible calls headship and submission, which is an important part of God's design for our roles as husbands and wives. So be looking for that episode in a future podcast. And remember, we release those on the 1st and 15th of each month.
1: You know, before we leave today and end our episode, uh, we'd, we'd like to share something related to the Ephesians 5 verse that we talked about earlier. We told you we'd come back to it at the end of the episode. Well, here we are at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that, were verses, that was verses 31 and 32 of Ephesians 5.
0: So here's what verse 32 says again. The mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church.
1: You know, here's what David Mathis from Desiring God Ministries has to say about that verse and about God's design. He says, when God says that marriage is a mystery, he's not saying that it's confusing or enigmatic, that we can't really figure out the depths of its meaning. He's saying it was a mystery for thousands of years, but now with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, marriage is no longer a mystery. The mystery has been revealed. And the mystery was this, why one man and one woman covenanted to each other as long as they both shall live? Why did God do it this way? Why build human society this way?
0: Well, David Mathis goes on to say The answer is that thousands of years before God the Father sent His Son, He embedded a pointer to Jesus in the very basics of human life. From the beginning, God knew He would send His Son to save us from our sin, and He designed marriage to anticipate that, to prepare the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The meaning of marriage is that Jesus has given his life for his people, his bride. The call of a husband to lead by giving and not taking shows us Jesus, who did not protect himself and his comfort, but sacrificed himself for us. Jesus is the husband who does not claim special privilege, but shoulders more responsibility to love his bride with affection, allegiance, and action. Jesus' love for his church is the ultimate meaning of marriage. This is the message and the drama Christians seek to live out and show the world as we make our vows and anticipate the coming marriage supper of the Lamb, which is in Revelation 19.9. And this is the story of marriage.
1: You know, I really can't say it much better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that's why we want to end with that. But, but before we actually wind up, um, let, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much, uh, Lord, for the way that you designed marriage, Lord, you designed it specifically um, and in a certain way so that we could flourish and fulfill your design. And so Father, help us to live out our complementary roles, help us to love and serve and sacrifice for one another, and help us to truly reflect, um, even imperfectly, but in growing consistency, the way that you, Jesus, love your bride, the church, Lord. Thank you. And thank you for empowering us by your spirit to do that. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. We are so grateful that you join us today on the Abiding Marriage podcast. We do hope that each episode will give you at least one thing to help you grow and thrive as a husband or wife. And in addition to helping you and your spouse, our earnest desire is to help as many couples as we can. Yes. So thank you for sharing our podcast with others. You never know what God can do through you sharing this with another husband or a wife, you know.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And hope you all come back for another episode. Hey, God bless you all.
0: Bye.